The views and opinions expressed in Media Litter Sandwich do not reflect on the views of the network, station, studio, website, sponsors, guests, hosts themselves, anyone or anything else associated or even not associated with this podcast. Maybe not even the person that said them. In other words, do your own research and do not sue anyone over what is said on this show. Welcome to Media Lair Sandwich, back from a hiatus and talking about... It's been a while since I did a book review. Whoa. Wow. It just fades into the background. If you're looking at the video version, it's way different than the audio version. But that's okay, because either way, you get to hear Dimitri's lovely voice today. Uh, we are talking to Dimitri Rudolph Gibson, better known as D. Rudolph Gibson. It's how you'll find his book and his Facebook page. Uh, he has a new book out. Um, so this is going to be talking a sort of a religious book. Uh, yeah, we could just say it's a religious book uh, with an atheist, which is which might be a little bit different for you. Um, go ahead, Dee. Tell me a little about yourself and uh, about this book. Well, first of all, um, just a minor correction here. Okay, please do. Uh, it is not a religious book, mm-hmm. uh, even though we do talk about God. See, a religious book would be a book that is, you know, going – is, is going to talk about uh, the the different aspects of uh, labor and uh, the things that we do in the kitchen or um, you know in other areas like min- ministry work that is outdoors mission stuff. That is not what this book is about. Um, as a matter of fact, you know it's 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 not a religion. It's not a book about religion as as is indicated in the introduction. It's a, it's a le- book of lessons that I've learned over the years of the true meaning of how to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, um, as you said, you were an atheist. Well, I can understand that. Um, but at the very same time, um, it's interesting that you had came to me first to want to talk about the book. Um, it was over a year ago, wasn't it? Yeah. And then wow. all of a sudden... The next thing we know, uh, we're caught up in the COVID thing, and we had to wait for a while. And then I didn't find out until just a few days ago that you you uh, you were atheist, and you didn't mention that until after you got a chance to read the book. Did not um, see a reason for it. So <laughs> it's it's um you know it's it's nothing to really blame you about, um, or or for me to get upset with you about because Jesus said, and um, that he that believeth not is condemned already. So it's not my judgment that condemns a person for not believing on him. It's their own judgment because they don't believe. And that's according to what the scripture writes. See, my book writes uh, the, the things that I wrote about are about the things that I've learned from discipleship. And it's not pointed at Dimitri it's pointed at God. That's the idea. And that's the whole objective. See? Yeah, it's and interesting because reason- one of the things I, I, I notice about your book is um, it doesn't talk about you at all. It's, uh, that's correct. I, if I was to guesstimate, I would say about 25 to 30% of the book is uh, is quotes from the Bible and, 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 and scripture as such, and then you kind of explaining it. Um, and I, you know, if you don't mind, you know, a little bit of critique here. Um, I, 
I, I try to figure out who exactly this book is for because it's definitely for the already converted because someone like me that hasn't read the Bible in, in such detail, um, I get a little bit lost and it seems like several times you hit a point and instead of relating it to yourself, um, it just kind of, you know, it relates it to something in the Bible and then you kind of move on to the next, uh, to the next part. That's intentional. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is because the book is written with no focus on Dimitri, but on the Lord and on what the scripture says. I cannot save you. You are saved by God. The Bible says that uh, he draws men to himself. The only thing that I can do is plant the word of God, which is known as the seed, or water the word of God that's already planted. In other words, I can tell you what God said and then go on about my business. I'm done. And then someone else behind me will come and take what I said to you and help you to grow in that. That's number two. That's the waterer. But God will give you the increase. He will be the one to draw you nearer to him based on your decision to want to be drawn toward him. That's why the book is written about him and not about me. Uh, another reason here is because when you, if you, well, if, if you ever do read the scriptures, like for instance, the book of John, uh, John is is written in the third person. As a matter of fact, he's only talking about Jesus Christ as being God and the many, the many things that he had done. Uh, and when he does refer to himself, he refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. He never just referred to himself as John in the book of John. The next person is Paul. Paul did gave gave us um, a bit of his history. But it was just to prove a point about the fact that even though he had such a great history of religion and he was a Pharisee of Pharisees and he was the one who was responsible for going around beating up and killing people in the church because of the things that he believed in. Once he met God, all of that changed. And then Paul said he considered everything he learned because he went to what we like to call today an Ivy League school. He had the highest and the best of training. And he says, all those things that I have learned, all those things that I have gained is dong, as in uh, doo-doo, you know, or waste, so that he might come into the knowledge of Christ, so that he might win the Lord. So his books were never about him. His books were about the Lord and people learning more about how to be better, what is known as disciples. Disciples are learners or pupils, and they are also followers of Jesus Christ. So the fact that you are an atheist or the fact that you saw that there's very little to nothing about me in the book, you were dead on target because that's the way it's supposed to be. God is supposed to get all the glory. Now, all the glory is going to be in the things that I that I explained, but the real glory is coming out of those scriptures that I present so that the hearers... Now, honestly, the book is... I mean, not particularly, not that, but um, primarily, the book is written for people who are already saved or who are already striving to learn more about the things of God and how to live holy and righteously. 
uh, for a person like yourself, it's brand new information, something that may not be of your interest, but that doesn't matter. The very, the very idea that the seed, which is the word of God, has gotten planted into your heart, it doesn't matter how you respond right now. It could be 10, 15, 20 years from now before you truly respond to the way God wants you to respond. And it's a very good thing to know that God is eternal and he knows all things. Therefore, he knows what's going to happen 30 years from now. The things that I say in this book may not may not tickle your fancy, may not even touch you to any degree, but something in this book and something somebody else will say may be the very thing that caused you to change your attitude or your mind or the way you think about the creator, about God himself. We're not saying that's going to absolutely happen. We're not saying it is going to happen. And we're, we're, we're just saying that the seed is planted. That's a matter of your response and how long it takes you to respond. That's going to determine the outcome. So this book, you know, uh, the, if, uh, if I may, because I, um, I like to talk about one or one or two things about the book. Then I want to talk about you because I think you do have a good story. And um, sure, let's talk about you. Okay. <laughs> no, seriously, we can. We can because no, uh, uh, that is fine. Uh, the book itself is about God and the things of God and the things that I've learned over the many years that I wanted to share with others that they might learn the same thing and be comforted. But when it comes to talking about me, let's go. I am a um, uh, a, a 65-year-old um, African-American dwarf. And the type of dwarfism it is known as pseudoachondroplasia. Now, what is a pseudoachondroplasia? I know that's a pretty big question. And how do you spell it, you know? Um, seriously, uh, pseudoachondroplasia is a kind of dwarf that is born into the world and it looked naturally, natural birth, uh, natural weight, and everything is just normal. And then after about, say, 18 months to about two years, then uh, there would be a notice that the, the development or the growth is stunted. It does not affect the head as many short people you see. Uh, just one little concept here to mention is that there's a big difference between a dwarf and a midget. And that is... Um, the dwarf is every short person below four feet, 10 inches tall. And a midget is a, is a derogatory term for a dwarf. So if you call a person a midget, it's just like you have midget wrestling, but you also have the dwarf Olympics. Big difference. Uh, it's like calling me a nigga, so to speak, you know, or calling you a redneck pecklewood. That's that's the difference. And, and so that's the term that hardly anyone knows of, except most dwarfs and people who know the dwarfs. <laughs> but when they call a person, it's not that they're doing it intentionally, derogatorily. Uh, it, it's just that it is a derogatory term. So anyway, the type of dwarfism is where the person is born with a natural shaped head, but uh, other types of uh, uh, dwarfs have the large kind of head. You know, you ever notice the large forehead and, and he looks like, that looks like a short person. Well, that looks like a dwarf. Um, but for me, it's like I am uh, a compact size of a tall person. 
So I really don't look like a dwarf. I look like a short person, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, in the video version, I should have a picture of you up, up somewhere. And it's it, it's a very nice professionally uh, picture from that you took for your book on your website. And mm-hmm. you can't tell from that. And not that anyone personally needs to tell i mean it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean anything but it's one of those things that you know another one of those relate things you know that that in today's media it's all about if you relate to your audience it'll draw them in more like a good salesman a good salesman will ask you something about your day and and dig on something so you feel connected uh, a little bit before they can sell you something um because you feel like you know the person a little bit more and, exactly. Yeah, you know, and you went in your book and you talk about um as you mentioned already on here that you don't talk about yourself at all because you know, um I I thought I wrote down a quote about being humble in here. I know you spend a little bit of time in that. Um but I actually want to skip to something that I thought was very interesting uh from the creative side. Sure. You talk about and you talk about hearing with imagination or the ears and you talk about how you should hear with your ears and not your imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, And when I was reading about this, my thoughts went, well, when I read something or listen to somebody um, and I use my imagination, I do it because I'm trying to relate. If I'm, if it's a technical manual, I'm imagining my hands doing the thing or, or crossing the paths, whatever happens to be. When someone's telling me a story, I try to imagine the story. That's often why people think books are better than the movies because they imagine something on their own uh, through their own interpretation, of course. And you talk about hearing through your ears to get word by word. Um, how uh, am I describing that properly? Uh, basically, the the uh, the the premise here is when you're reading, uh, like you're reading a book or reading something um, from an ebook. And I could I could just uh, I'm I'm over here in this chapter now. And the very first thing it says, yeah, do uh, page you read? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Do you read the scriptures with your eyes or with your imagination? And and again, you know, the persons I'm talking to are those who are used to reading. See, and I say that because the way I used to read was I would read something and my imagination would read a part of it. And then I'll try to go back and find that scripture and would never be able to find it. Because a part of what I was reading was with my imagination and not the real words that were on the page. That's where the concept came from. So people who read scriptures will be able to relate a lot. And people who read books will be able to relate to that. Because now when I go over to, uh, let's see. uh, Oh, yeah. And then I go down and say, uh, have you ever found it hard to remember what someone said either immediately after they spoke? or after a particular time had passed. And if your answer is yes, don't panic, because chances are you were listening with your imagination instead of your ears. It's just, it's a practice to actually be um, thorough and accurate in your hearing so that you can make accurate assessments to what you saw, 
to what you read and to what you heard. And those accuracies will be truth that cannot be taken away from you, nor truth that can be condemning towards you because of the reality of the matter. Now, is this towards just when you're reading scripture or is this towards every aspect to just a normal yes. book, to a conversation? Correct. And so, so, so um, like even talking with you, I can uh, listen, I can listen to you with my imagination and go way off board, or I can just listen to what you're saying and take it from there. And uh, yes, sir. Yeah, when I when I th- imagine when I imagine, yeah, uh, when I <laughs> when I hear like thinking with your imagination, that's me in my mind building up what somebody is talking about and go maybe because I'm even though I consider myself more technical and more of an artist, it's that part of me that does it that allows you know that I feel makes me a better technician. Um, See, I'm very technical too. Mm-hmm. That's why the concept of imagination came in. I've learned how to separate the two. Now, I love to use my imagination. Don't get me wrong. I mean, as a matter of fact, when I write books or write lessons, I'm, my imagination is in there to a certain degree in in terms of, you know, looking at uh, the images that are portrayed in what I'm writing. And either it's going to be is it a truthful image or is it fiction? And from that point, it will determine how the rest of the writing is going to be. But my imagination, love to use it. I, I just want to make sure that I'm using it that is in a way that is not contrary to the way God wants me to think. See, there's a big difference between us. And um, so I don't want to imagine that you're uh, a fool or an idiot because of your status. I'm not going to imagine that because if I did imagine it, I would have said, no, you and I are not going to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. But instead of me going with my imagination, I went with what I heard. And, and now let's check this out with along with the imagination comes the history of a thing. So, and the reality of it does as well. So I had to take that all the way back to the very first time you introduced yourself to me and wanted to have this conversation, which was probably about a year or so ago. So I knew that regardless of the way you said the other day, for the very first time, I said, it's still on. I'm not going to let my imagination shut this down. I'm going to use it as an opportunity for both of us and for the listeners of your uh, podcast. And I very much appreciate that. And I, I, I do understand what you're saying. I think what you're, you're, and please correct me if I'm wrong. I believe the heart of what you're saying is when you let your imagination go wild, you start assuming things and start filling in the blanks and that can lead to ignorance and you don't want to be ignorant to a situation. That's exactly what I was saying. And here it is right here. Check this out. Uh, Here's the uh, third paragraph. Hearing what the imagination can and will cause us to think that we know what's next to be read or said. Doing so is an act of presumption, which is not a good practice, mind you. You just said that. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you just said. So, so, uh, so, if you're looking at it from a realistic uh, point of view, you know the imagination is great. That's why God gave it to us. Without the imagination, we have no cars to drive. Without the imaginations, we would not know how to cook 
um, uh, cheeseburgers. <laughs> you know what I mean? There would be no football games, you know, et cetera, et cetera, uh, without the imagination. And, and then there's the critical part of the imagination that is the intellectual part of it that lets us know that, yeah, we can use this part of the imagination and it will help others, entertain others, not be an offense or damaging or harming or injuring to any others. I can do that with my imagination and very well. Now, if it's now, now you have to separate that from classes, for instance. To be in the pulpit is entirely different. There is no imagination allowed in a pulpit because God, just like when he spoke to Moses, did not let Moses use his imagination when he talked to the children of Israel. Moses had to tell the people exactly what God said to tell them, point blank, period. Now, that's a different scenario altogether. If I'm a yeah. newscaster... It would be different. I'm going to use my imagination with, with being a newscaster or being a podcaster. I can use my imagination for the pro, for the um, for the practice of the broadcast. Now, when you use your imagination, doesn't that help you with translating, though, when it helps you with translating and your interpretation? And if you have questions um upon that you can you can ask them especially in a conversation like this if you're just hearing the words and trying to take those words directly i feel like there's room for mistranslation um because you have words that can mean several different things especially if they're going through a translation from one language to another imagination is not in translation or interpretation but but looking at the qualifier mm -hmm. uh the truth of See, interpreting, you want to, I want to interpret to you exactly what you need to, what the truth. I want to interpret truth to you. Okay. I don't want to interpret my imagination to you because my imagination <laughs> is going to lead to a lie and you will be carrying false information. That's only going to get you in trouble. Now, look at the qualifier when you look at the imagination. Where does imagination fit and where does it not fit? You would not tell your daughter or your son that there is a Santa Claus because you already know there isn't. But you do tell them. That, man, you just spoiled you know, everything, man. I thought there uh, was, man. Yahoo, I, was, I, was all, I was all getting the milk and cookies out until our governor Dude, do you canceled know, it. We used to love that time of the year. Man. And there was Santa Claus as far as I was, gonna, I was concerned when I was a kid. But then I grew up to find out it wasn't. And I realized, okay, so it wasn't. But all that time, I was carrying false information. And uh, I had to get that out of my system. Um, and and now when it comes to the things of God, that can send a person to hell carrying the wrong information. But not only that person, but the person who gave it to him, the wrong information. When it comes to doing ministry, uh, pulpit ministry especially, there is no such thing as the imagination. There's going to be what did God say? And then you go sit down. Say what God said, shut up when you're done, go sit down. That's the end of it. Now, after service, let me use my imagination talking about football, baseball, and all kinds of other ball, like bowling. We have a bowling league and all that kind of stuff. Let's use the imagination there. That's a lot of fun, but not when it comes to using the word of God. So you have the qualifier. Where does the imagination fit?
Mm-hmm. And if you if you play it that role the way it really is, that's where you find the comfort. That's where you find the safety, and that's where you find when it's the best to, time to use it and not to use it. So, how do you try? Um, you don't have to answer this question, um, but if you have kids, how do you yeah. talk the truth? to um, what you would imagine their level at whatever age they may may be when you explain things to them? Well, I would uh, explain to the child, uh, first of all, that um, I, I would take them to that time of the year where gifts are being given. And um, see, if it, now it depends on the child that I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. So am I talking to a child that is uh, like the son or daughter of my church, or am I talking to the kids across the street who don't go to church at all? Your you know, choice, or See, we have own. qualifiers. <laughs> yeah, we have qualifiers, but but the uh, the the, lip, the words, no, the message, the message will be the same. There is no Santa Claus. The delivery is going to be different because of the qualifier. Yeah. Now, if it's a child that goes to our church, I'll tell them that there's no such thing as Santa Claus, uh, because of you know the, the things that. Um, Santa Claus does does not relate to the reality of the way we live, and there is no Santa Claus going down your chimney. I'll tell the kids across the street that too. He doesn't go down the chimney. Oh, that he does cold. not travel across the whole sounds world cold, overnight, man. And and it's, and, and I'll, I'll make them look at it realistically, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll tell them also. But the gifts that you do receive come from your parents and people who love you. You celebrate the season as being a time for giving. You know, uh, but you don't want to celebrate it falsely by saying that Santa Claus brought all these gifts because he really didn't bring them. Your mom and your dad did or your grandparents or whoever. And uh, let's look at it like that from realistically. You know, the time to celebrate is and we're not celebrating the birth of Christ because he wasn't born in December. And if we were celebrating the birth of Christ, it would be used corruptly because everything that's done during the Christmas time. And the New Year's are things that are contrary to what the scripture says that we should live by. There's drunkenness, there's fornication, there's lies, there's presumption, there's uh, going into debt, all of these things. And then some are contrary to the way we're supposed to live as Christians. So therefore, the idea of that type of holiday is barred from the Christian. And, and so our children, they, they already know these things, man. Um, our children does. My, my, my uh, children that, I, that, I, uh, that I'm surrounded by. And um, it, it, that's just something that they really have to know because they're exposed to it. It's that time of the year. They're going to be exposed to it everywhere they go, especially in school. And so they need to know the truth about it. But at the very same time, they really don't need to talk about it much because of the danger that it could you know, present, you know, they might get jumped on or something, you know, they, they just stand the ground in terms of what mm-hmm. they believe, but you don't have to argue with anyone and, and you don't have to, you know, start any fights because that kind of stuff is not the way that we should live from a moral standard, not just Christian, but moral standards. See, moral standards stand very tall in Christianity, good moral standards. As a matter of fact, the word love in the New Testament is the verb agapao, and it means to love, to love, and and, do, and to love 
in deed and in truth. Uh, so my actions is going to prove my love for you. It's like, for instance, uh, my actions prove my love for this conversation between you and I, because I could have easily said, no, I don't want to talk to you because of your status. Well, I changed my yeah, mind. I am not your audience. Else. And then um, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know, but it, without hesitating, I said, no, it's still on. We still have to talk because it was set to talk and it's for a purpose. And, and there's a grace to talk with you at this time. So we're going to take full advantage of it. So I'm reading this book and I feel like it could be way longer and, and you could almost create different things. Cause you do have some really great things in there that anyone can relate to and take as like a lesson of life. I mean, I know this is uh, maturing onto perfection in the Lord Jesus Christ, but the t- main title is also lessons learned. And that's something that um, I can't really call myself a young man anymore, but Younger people uh, my age and younger uh, definitely can learn some things. There's definitely some good tidbits in here that you explore a little bit. And I feel like if you – now, I know that would go against uh, um, the humble part of this since the focus is Jesus Christ and the Lord and, you know, that part of your life. Uh, well, I feel well, just like... to interrupt, just well, sorry to interrupt you about there, but uh, yes, I, I noticed, I know it could be longer mm-hmm. and, um, but the grace wasn't on me to go long. Mm-hmm. In this particular book, it was to go as far as I did. Um, I still had tons and tons of the stuff and it was like, no, we're just going to, it's, this is like an introduction, you know, right. um, uh, and and um, the thing that outline. really got me there is this book was actually written for um, the uh, millennials, which is like about your age. Yes, it's uh, um, about my age it's and a little right bit younger. On I'm, I'm on See? the higher side of the millennial, but yeah. See, you're on target again, and you say that you don't you you're, you you don't believe <laughs> that doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, you're speaking things about the way the book was designed even though you might not think it should have been, but the book was designed, especially the way you had mentioned it. You know, it is written shortly. It could have been longer. And this book is not about me at all. That's the way it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be about God. It's supposed to be about the things of God. And it's supposed to help other people want to improve in their in their lifestyles uh, in, towards the things of God and just right living. So let's say I, I talked about this book and you knew that of my, you know, somewhat of my belief system. I was like, hi, I'm an atheist. Should I read this book? What would your response be? My response would be, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I'll sure take your is, money. If, I got no problem with that. You let me know I'm, what you think. <laughs> just pay, just, to, just uh, give me that money that. first and then we'll hang out. <laughs> it's not about the money either. No. It's not about the money either because of the book, you know, it's, it's not selling as good as it could, but it's not about the money. It's about the Lord God being glorified. He'll take care of that eventually over time and his time and whenever he's ready. But it is more so about people who, once they do read the book, will like what they read. Even you like what you read and you don't even have much of any of the natural response or uh 
characteristics of the people that is written 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 for. No, you I'll still appreciated the book. I fully admit the last few times I've been to church is because I was paid as part of a video crew. You know what? <laughs> that is hilarious. That's really hilarious. <laughs> I'm a sound and a recording engineer. Mm-hmm. And I could get paid to do uh, sound recording engineering. As a matter of fact, I play drums and I could get paid to play drums every Sunday, too. But I'm not into that. I'm into doing the things that God wants me to do in the place he wants me to do and in the magnitude of, of that place, as a matter of fact. And uh, so I, you know, the Lord has appointed me uh, to pulpit ministry, so to speak. and. Um, that is to minister to everyone, uh, the, especially the church people, of course, particularly the church, to bring them a remembrance of what he said. And for those who do not believe, to just play the plain, simple gospel, um, uh, repent and believe the gospel, repent and be baptized in Jesus' name for remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, you know. The kingdom of God is at hand, those kind of things for those who really do not believe or who really don't know if they do believe or not. Uh, so for 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 you to ask me and you're an atheist uh, whether to read the book, I'll say that's up to you. If you want to read the book, fine. If you don't want to read the book, also fine. Because I'm not here to force you to do it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, Just that I'll- simple. <laughs> I want to thank you again for uh, for coming on and talking to me. Is there anything else you would like to say? And of course, please promote your book, promote your website if you wish, and anything else you'd like to uh, say. Well, yes, I need to uh, promote. Well, I need uh, more people to come out to the website, of course. <laughs> and um, you have the uh, website address there. You can post that. Um, Yep, I'll put, and, include that um, with the show notes. Uh, so it'll be in the information section or details section, depending on which app you wa- you watch or listen to this in. We're on many, many podcast apps, including Spotify good. and and Google thingy and the iTunes thingy and Amazon Music thingy and, and, and a whole, whole, whole bunch more. Whether or not we're back on DV Radio, I don't know. I'm waiting to hear back. So if you're on, this DV, on DV Radio, hey, what up? Um <laughs> <laughs> and we're still on YouTube and we might be on an, another video site or two. Um, uh, I'm exploring a couple other video al- alternatives right now. Okay. Um, also the blog, I have a blog session, uh, blog page and on the blog are just strictly exhortations uh, that I've written that may be included in my next book, but there are pra- practically and around this is seven all years on- so. And this is all on, on the uh, website. Rudolph, uh, Gibson.com, right? Yes, sir. Okay. So the uh, uh, the objective is to sell the book. You find that on top of the page, of course, and um, you'll get a little insight about me. Uh, the reason why I wrote the book uh, was this one of the very first reasons why I wrote the book was for people who are in pulpit ministry. Uh, to find out if they were really called to it because it is a doomed state to be in if one is not called. Um, and, and this is one of the most critical things that a person can do is 
put themselves or be grandfathered in to the pulpit. And um, so I was grandfathered in at the age of five. And that means then that the pastor who called me to pulpit ministry did not call me according to God, because at five years old, a person does not have the ability to comfort anybody with the same comfort that God comforted them. I had no aged abilities to help people who were, you know, in school, uh, adults, parents, husbands, wives. I had no kind of uh, background on how to overcome situations because I was only five years old. I had no business being in the pulpit. I should be out shooting marbles, man, you know, and <laughs> playing softball for crying out loud. Um, and uh, so I was in the pulpit, you know, and until many years later, of course, and then the Lord moved, you know, purposely had me at a church that kept me out of the pulpit for eight years, which was the best thing to happen to me because it was during that period of time that I found out that I was in the pulpit ignorantly and unbelief. In other words, I did not know the entire time that I should not have been in the pulpit. Yeah, because they're too busy like, oh, that's so cute, versus being able to hear your words from a piece of experience and being able to, here's that word again, relate. That's exactly right. And so, um, you know, these and there's a lot of stuff here involved there. But anyway, um, the, uh, the website is going to promote the book, give you some outline about me, the author. And then there's the blog page that has uh, many exhortations in it that uh, that people who are in ministry or in discipleship or just love to read things about God. Excuse me. The exhortations are going to uh, help to comfort them. And, and those, again, are continued lessons that I have learned over the years. As a matter of fact, some of those lessons could have been in the book, but they're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, w once again, is your website is drudolphgibson.com, and the book is Lessons Learned, Maturing Onto Perfection in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming on. And I've been Toden. You could find everything about me at Toden.com or, of course, find the podcast Media Litter Sandwich at MediaLitterSandwich.com. And hopefully I'll have some more stuff coming up. Uh, this is my first time back from hiatus, so I haven't been promoting too much many things because this is uh, I'm still working on those uh, get, getting things solid on the ground there. I do believe I got uh, an affiliate link for Combat Box, uh, which will be a subscription box. I will have the CEO on here uh, probably in a week or two, uh, so we could talk about uh, uh, that. I believe the Combat Box is everything in it, and the subscription box is from veteran businesses, uh, which is always fun because maybe we'll back, be back on uh, DV Radio by then, and that's dvradio.net if you want to check that out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching if you're watching the video version, and I hope you enjoyed our conversation. And the next episode of Media Litter Sandwich. Uh, I retired, like I said, after I did six deployments. I did the whole hula hula stuff in the military and then got out and kind of wanted to continue to pay it forward. So my first thing that I did when I first got out was uh, I opened up a nonprofit to help soldiers and veterans that live in this community to help their lives be a little easier. 
uh, that led to other things because a lot of the businesses that you saw that I opened up is to help feed money into my nonprofit really is what it's for. I don't put any money in my pocket. I hire some people to help run it for me and then the money that I would make, I, I donated to my nonprofits.